Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at HearstRanch.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Good evening and welcome to Fun Men About it. it on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm Mary Izette. I'm Chris Kuzmi. And I'm Rachel Jacobs. And we're your co-hosts through this weekly journey of all things fermented. Archived on Stitcher, iTunes, and right here on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. It is our one month and one day anniversary of being open as Fifth Hammer Brewing Company. Things are still going strong. We had a really cute, amazing dog costume competition of the other day. Yay! It was a it was a it was a battle to the death. There were four ju- five judges and they four dogs. So they were all very cute. The judges were cuter than yes, the dogs. The I think we had some cute. young uh, local LICers. <laughs> they were all Jamaican. No. What? That's a reggae song. That's a, that's a reggae thing. We don't, all reggae nights. They use the horn a lot. Anyway. Um, uh, anyway, announcements. Other announcements. Well, that was yesterday. What's happening tomorrow? I got nothing for tomorrow, but... I mean, like, tomorrow, the proverbial <laughs> tomorrow, future. using the parlance of our time. I know. Okay, uh, let's see if I can get my, my brain straight. All right, next Wednesday, November 8th, is... Is that correct? That is correct. Oh, my God. But before that, on November 5th, uh, the New York City Marathon. So good luck to all the runners. November 8th, go ahead. And before that, November 7th, don't forget what? to vote. Vote. Oh yeah, especially in New York City. I mean, it's 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 important everywhere, but especially in New York City, we are electing. Uh, this is mayoral elections time, as well as a couple of other things. So uh, look out for what we're voting on. Make sure you get the facts and vote. Vote your vote your brains out. Do it. Yeah. And then next Wednesday, <laughs> after you vote, are you ready? Do you find the caveat pro? Yes, about? I do. <laughs> the New York City Brewers Guild and the New York City the New York State Brewers Association are hosting the first. NYC Brewed Fall Brewery Crawl. It's going to be in Long Island City at Fifth Hammer, Rockaway, Big Alice, and LIC Beer Project. Um, it's 20 bucks for a ticket. You can find the event on Eventbrite. Basically, your $20 will get you a wristband and a punch card at the first brewery you check into. Um, that will get you a taster at each brewery, as well as access to a special Meet the Brewer area where you will get samples of a bunch of other New York City brewers, including Kang & Lantern, KCBC, Five Burrows, and like, I don't know, nine or ten more. So it's basically like a New York City a walking, uh, New York City brewery beer crawl within within a one-mile radius walk, walking thing. So Absolutely. you're pretty much hosting, each individual brewery is hosting other breweries of New York City. Uh, and it's just a, a nice roll around, and it benefits uh, this New York State Brewers Association and the uh, New York State uh, New York City, New York City Brewers Guild. Yep, very cool. And uh, you still have a week and a half, two, two sorry, two and a half weeks to get those ferments ready for Ferment Ferment, which is a, a yearly, an annual uh, fermentation potluck hosted by our friends, uh, our friend Zachary Schulman, Zachary and Shulman. Uh, generally. 
uh, Cheryl Passwater also has something to do with it. Mm -hmm. uh, so this year it is November 18th, Saturday, from 1 to 4 p.m. at Mayday Space in Brooklyn. So get those ferments ready. That's enough time to make a mead, to make a cider, to make some yogurt, some cheese, a uh, very, Nichols. very fast... Yeah, some pickles, a very fast beer, uh, one of Mary's Speed Brews, two Mary's Speed Brews, so definitely check that out. Uh, there's more information at Ferment Ferment on Facebook or fermentferment.wordpress.com. And last but not least, national news, the Brewers Association, which is the not-for-profit trade association dedicated to small and independent American brewers, announced an agreement today with the USDA... Um, it's actually the USDA ARS, United States Department of Agricultural Agricultural Research Service, to fund public hop breeding for the purpose of developing and releasing disease-resistant aroma hop cultivars into the public domain in support of hop growing efforts throughout the U.S. That's pretty cool. They're going to focus mm -hmm. um, their research in four areas. Sensory requirements, as determined by the BA through a collaborative and participatory brewery and industry stakeholder program, improved downy mildew resistance, improved powdery mildew resistance, and improved agronomic performance so hopefully we'll see some new hop varieties come out of this program mm -hmm. and longevity within them i'm glad about that very excited about that i'm having fun diving into this hop game even more and more and more uh but today uh not to be cheesy but let's get cheesy <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> all right let's just dive right into that um we are getting yeah, yeah <laughs> rachel we should have expected we knew something like that was coming uh Yes. I am very excited to announce today's guest. Uh, we met through uh, a Beery Avenue, uh, but uh, the, the history is rich. Cheese is rich. Andy Marcelli of Marcelli Formaggio. How you doing? I'm great, guys. Thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about your, your beer life Did, and, uh, and what Marcelli Formaggio is. Start the beer life, because that's when we met. Okay. Um, how did we meet through that? Um, yeah, so I, I started working at uh, Italy. Now I have to say Italy Flatiron, because there's more than one in New York City. Mm -hmm. can't just say Italy New York anymore. Um, yeah, right before, a couple months before it's, it opened in uh, the end of the summer of 2010. And, you know, after doing a, a couple of things like local, you know, product sourcing, got into beer and uh, eventually started working with the beer program and got to do lots of fun events uh, through that in the in the early years there, and then obviously started making my way around you know New York City to get to know who was in the New York City uh, beer scene, and you guys were were everywhere. <laughs> <clears throat> but and so that was that was a chapter that that is after your your family is in the cheese business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you grow up around cheese? Uh, no, actually. Well, I grew up in food. Um, my uh, my dad was a chef. Uh, my brother and sister are both chefs. Um, so yeah, we grew up in, you know, in, in the food world, um, as a food family and, uh, about 15 years ago, uh, my dad and, you know, his, his extended family went over to Italy to see where like his grandparents came from, uh, this little village in, in Versa, about an hour and a half east of Rome in the region of Abruzzo. And they just fell in love with the place. I wasn't actually on that trip. Um, I was, you know, working my kind of first out of college job. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, he just called me from, from there. I think I was in California for the summer and just, you know, was going on and on about how wonderful and beautiful the place was, how great our family was, how great their cheeses were, and that he wanted to, you know, do something to, to keep, you know, with them, for them. Um, and so, you know, he said he wanted to figure out how to bring the cheese to the United States. And a couple years after, you know, he said that, my parents had been going over there every few months just to hang out and, 
check in with the family and see how everything was going. And then in, uh, yeah, I guess 2007, he said that they were ready. And he asked me if I could give him a year to help him figure it out. And because I was looking for, you know, a change, making a change in my life uh, professionally. And 10 years later, we're still at it. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're in our... I guess, yeah, right now it's our 10-year anniversary of starting the company. We actually, you know, started importing and selling the cheese in the summer of 2008. But uh, 10 years ago, he and I got on a plane and went over to Italy, went to this really cool cheese festival that actually just happened um, in September. Uh, again, it's uh, every two years. It's called uh, Slow Food Cheese in uh, the region of uh, Piedmont in, the, in northern Italy, about eight hours north of Abruzzo. So... We go up there usually every two years to go to that, you know, that event because it's a big Italian, um, you know, cheese festival. But now there's cheeses from, you know, kind of all over the world and Europe and the U.S. has a good presence there, too. So that was, uh, yeah, that was an interesting trip, just getting like jumping right in. And I spent about four months um, after that that festival in Abruzzo on the farm, mm-hmm. learning how they made their cheese and they had to take care of it. And also trying to figure out how to get it to the U.S. because that really wasn't uh, really wasn't easy. We were, you know, calling shipping companies, and they're like, "Oh, cheese? No, we don't we don't ship cheese." We're like, okay, so it's got to get you know get there somehow. So, um, yeah. So we had started. So we started that together, and after three years, you know, I was like, I, I realized that food is really, you know, obviously I grew up in it, but I wasn't really sure that's what I wanted to do, you know, to work in that in that world and. Uh, after the first three years of Marcelli Formaggi, it was just so much fun. I was like, I need to do something to kind of accelerate my knowledge. And so the Italy project was was coming up. And uh, the original goal was, you know, to sell our cheese there. And then, you know, I just had an idea. I was like, well, they're hiring now, so why don't I, you know, get a job there? And I ended up working there for six years, and it was, it was a lot of fun. Quite an adventure. Yeah. So about a year and a half ago, I left to uh, return to Marcelli Formaggi, and, you know, we're we're growing. We're about seven people now. Uh, it's my mom, my dad, my sister, and I, and uh, we've got you know three awesome uh, people that help us do our day-to-day stuff. Let's go back a little bit to to the farm and what you know. What was mm-hmm. it like on the farm and learning how to make cheese? And what 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 is the general traditional approach uh, that your family is making? Yeah, well, um, so the story with the farm is it was started about forty years ago by my cousin Nunzio. Uh, he was going to school in Rome. He's about my dad's age. Um, and uh, yeah, he went to school in, in Rome and uh, studied economics and wrote a thesis project on supporting local um, economy through shepherding um, and working with sheep. And we always joke that his, you know, thesis argument must have been so, so strong that he convinced himself to, <laughs> to actually do it. So, um, yeah, so he's uh, he's, you know, he and his his family, um, you know, they're they're amazing. Uh, they Yeah, they basically carved this farm out of the side of a mountain above the village of Inversa, which has about, I guess, maybe it's 300 people that live there. It used to be thousands. It's one of those beautiful villages in Italy that, you know, used to have a higher occupation, but, you know, decades and decades and decades ago, you know, people started leaving for kind of like the bigger cities. But they're one of those places that just like, you know, here in the summertime, you know, most people that live in New York City leave to go to like kind of the more, you know, rural areas or, you know, coastal areas. Uh, the same thing there. So they're a very popular uh, stop because they're an agriturismo, which means you can stay on the farm. They have lodging. Um, yeah. They have a restaurant. So um, yeah, it's been it's been really great. Um, you know, since uh, you know getting to know their operation, obviously. But now, like his, you know, Nunzio's children are are kind of doing a lot of the day to day stuff, and they're around. You know, my age and my sister's age. So 
Um, it's actually kind of uh, consistent through all the different producers we work with. Most of them have, like, the next generation is involved and wants to keep going, so we're all going to kind of keep going, you know, and growing. Mm-hmm. So you're bringing in not only your family's cheese, but other mm-hmm. Italian cheeses as well. Exactly. So their farm uh, has about 1,200 sheep. Uh, the breed is called Soprafasana, which is a indigenous breed to the region of Abruzzo and I think Tuscany as well. Um, and they're very unique sheep because they yield even less milk than, than regular sheep do. So what you get is really rich. Um, you really can taste almost like almost everything that they, they've been eating. So it's a very pristine area. Um, Abruzzo is known as the green heart of Europe as it has, uh, I think more national parkland per capita per square mile, whatever than, uh, than anywhere else in Europe. So it, the sheep have a wonderful life uh, in a beautiful place. Um, and then they also have about uh, 300 goats. So they make goat cheese as well. Um, but the other producers uh, make some goat, uh, sheep smoked cheeses and goat smoked cheeses that we import. But everything is uh, made with raw milk. Awesome. Now, I'm, I'm actually interested in how you did manage to get it over. Because I know that not only is like shipping cheese from Italy is probably a problem, but uh, the USDA and the FDA are notoriously annoying with the raw milk and raw milk cheeses right yep. so how did you overcome that um well you know we we follow the rules uh and we pay attention to what the regulations are um that's actually one thing that we've spent a, really most of the last year on is there's uh new things coming like the, it's the uh, food safety modernization act where they're trying to get all small producers and large producers to kind of adhere to the same guidelines um but yeah it's been challenging to pay attention thankfully the cheese community um, is is educating themselves and trying to educate the consumers as well. Like there was a problem, I think maybe a year or two ago, where the FDA, you know, started targeting uh, aging on wood um, and tried to, I guess, you know, put things in motion to get rid of it. And the industry really, you know, reacted um, to try and educate them that, you know, that's not always that's not necessarily the problem. Just like you know, raw milk cheese doesn't isn't always necessarily the problem it's you know you need to have proper sanitation and so that's something we've been working really hard on um you know to fully you know have everything in line and you know it's great we can go over like we've made a couple trips in the last six months my parents did and my sister and i were just over there and you know we talked to our cousin and it's like okay well here's you know the last 10 years worth of lab results and here's Mm -hmm. our HACCP plan and here you know so it's all about really about you know education so and raw milk cheese can be brought in or produced in this yep. country but it has to be aged yep correct? for 60 days okay yep yeah so that's uh i mean it's you know very similar to why you know we're, we're all making you know of course i'm sure many of the things you talk about in this show but you know like probiotics and things that have good bacteria part of your diet because it's good for you well you know raw milk cheese does have that um because it's only pasteurized uh i mean sorry it's the milk's heated up enough that you know a lot of uh, the good bacteria is still is still remaining. So, um, yeah. So it's it's uh, done at a lower temperature than pasteurized cheeses, and then the time helps uh, a lot of those bad bacteria become dormant. So you're just left with good, you know, healthy bacteria, good things that are good for you. Although raw milk cheeses younger than 60 days are certainly allowed in other countries. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. Um, well, let's let's. Speaking of dormant, we're gonna let the show go dormant <laughs> for about a couple seconds. Please listen to the word from our sponsor. Thank you very much. From Edward.
Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. The Hearst family has been raising cattle on the rich, sustainable native grasslands of California's Central Coast for over 150 years. Piedra Blanca Rancho in San Simeon is the original Hearst Ranch, founded by George Hearst in 1865. George's son was the famous publisher, William Randolph Hearst. In addition to being known for building the iconic Hearst Castle, William was, like his father before him, an avid rancher. In his words, I would rather spend a month at the ranch than any place in the world. Thanks to one of the largest land conservation easements in California history, a joint effort with the California Rangeland Trust, the American Land Conservancy, and the state of California, the working landscape at Hearst Ranch will be preserved forever. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at hearstranch.com. Welcome back to Foment About It on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are here in the studio, blessed with the presence of Andy Marcelli of Marcelli Formaggi. Thank you again for joining us. Uh, we were just talking about a lot of cheesy stuff, but your company has, uh, is expanding a little bit and doing and importing some other things from Absolutely, yeah. So, um, you know, we started with cheese and, and really only imported a, a few cheeses. We have about 14 now. Uh, maybe we started with like five or six or seven in the beginning and kind of just wanted to see if this was going to work or not. Uh, and then the next thing we, we thought of was because we brag so much about what the sheep are eating, like these hundred different wild herbs and flowers that are growing, you know, through the mountain and through the valley that, you know, everything that they're eating. Well, that's not possible without, you know, without bees. And so mm-hmm. um, there's amazing honey, um, mountain honey produced in Abruzzo. So that was the next thing we brought in. And then we started to look for you know, dry pasta and olive oil. And so now we have, we have that as well as, um, you know, olive oil, uh, and olive oil products. Um, we have olive wood now. Um, olive wood. yep. Um, so, you know, so we have your, you know, your cheese boards to, to make your, you know, your cheese arrangement with some accompaniments. And, uh, now we've also gotten into gluten-free products too, because we really love the pasta producer that we work with. They've been around for 150 years. Um, it's a really small company. Um, it's like now it's gram- grandpa, grandma, you know, son, wife, and very, you know, very some young daughters. Um, and uh, yeah, so we were trying to find a, a gluten-free uh, pasta that was as good as the regular pasta that we had. So we found a great company called Farabella, and I have some of their gluten-free crackers, which I'm going to try. What are the What are they made of? Since um, they're not made of flour, wheat flour. Yeah, so it's like a potato, rice, um, you know, kind of all the things. Some things, you know, obviously for flavor, some things for structure. So, yeah, it's been, we looked, my dad looked for about two years trying to find, you know, the right products. So let's talk about this first cheese. Okay, so first of all, we're in this, uh, you know, converted shipping container that is our studio, and Andy has brought this whole spread. So we have four cheeses, some honey, I don't know what that is yet. Some oh, olive like oil, but let's start with this. Tell okay. us about this cheese, and we're gonna taste. And we're sorry you can't taste at home, but uh, but maybe this we'll will inspire you to go out there it. and explore the world of cheese. So this very this first cheese is actually the oldest cheese that we import. Um, it's aged the longest. It's called Brigantaccio. Um, it's named after uh, brigands who which were uh, outlaws or. Cowboys, depending on who you ask, I guess, in the, in Abruzzo. Um, so Abruzzo is very mountainous. Uh, so especially back in the day, getting around by you know horseback was kind of the, obviously the way to go. Um, but they would you know borrow, steal food, cheese, things from you know farmers, growers, and hide them in caves. Uh, so our cousin tells a story of 
uh, brigantaccio being a cheese that they would put into a clay pot, put a candle in there, cover it with the skin, bury it underground, which would get rid of the oxygen. And then it would just oh. sit um, underground for as long as, you know, until the next time they were there. So they would, um, to control the moisture, they would add bran um, to, the, to the inside of the pot. So this cheese is actually uh, covered in bran, and it's been aged um, without oxygen, so it's basically sealed, and it's, uh, yeah, it's, so it's, it's an airtight, you know, situation. And over time, all these juices and gases and things are kind of leaving the cheese, and the cheese is just sitting in that uh, for you know, about a year. So afterwards, you that was always, you know, my least favorite thing to do was open those those bags. Um, <laughs> it's pretty fun, huh? Yeah, oh, but then you no. then you uh, put it into a trough of bran, um, which kind of you know recreates the old you know the old way of doing it, but also it helps absorb all that, you know, extra moisture, and so you're just left with like a funky, crumbly cheese, which, you know. Um, Ten years ago, I think everyone's palates are changing. So, like, this is like one of the most popular cheeses we have now. When you, you know, you guys had the right. fermentation fest mm-hmm. um, earlier this year, we didn't actually bring enough of that cheese. Like it's, we, you know, because we were selling it to go, and and that was the thing we sold out of fastest. It and is ten years ago. Awesome. That I mean, wouldn't it has have like an, an acidity and, and like it's really it's really sharp. It's, yeah, it's got. Got a saltiness mm. that's a pretty very crumbly. Now, is yeah, this cheaper? Very crumbly. Cheap. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Now, sheep milk. Does sheep milk come in like twice, once a year? How does it work with sheep? Oh, so right now, um, like the actual production of making cheese on the farm has been kind of stopped for the last month and will really resume in, in December. Um, yeah, so they, uh, because it was lambing season. Right. So, you know, it's, it's, and it's, it's a pretty long, yeah, pretty long, I guess, milking, mm-hmm. you know, period, so. <laughs> And how long is uh, this typically aged for? Yes, yeah, so this is aged for about a year. A year. Yep. Okay. Wow. Um, and what would you pair you this with? So one mm-hmm. of the fun things, since you've worked in beer and yeah. other, you know, you're familiar with a lot of mm-hmm. other beverages. Um, what? Let's talk a, a little bit about pairings as we sure. go along. Well, this one, um, this can go one or two ways. Like, it can be, like, uh, you know, with a nice brown ale. Like, I tried it with... Uh, our friends Kelly and, and Sonia at Kelso yeah. with their uh, nut, brown? nut brown lager, mm-hmm. um, that w- and that went pretty well uh, recently at the Blocktoberfest. Um, yeah, but also like that cheese can kind of stand on its own, you know, with a nice you know red wine. Um, but I, I tend to stick to more like beer and cider mm-hmm. pairings. That's my comfort zone. Us too. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. without a doubt. Yeah. yeah, I like how the bubbles scrub it, scrub through I the just, fat. I yeah. just have no palate for wine. I'm like red white that's about it yeah well you know there's there's those are are accurate descriptions yeah (laughs) yeah Uh i don't know i just i like the capabilities of beer um especially you can have like a similar you can have an ingredient that's part of a beer and find a cheese or food you know that has that same ingredient Mm -hmm. so you you can either you know marry things together or you can have things that you know butt up against each other um there's a lot of a lot of range there Mm -hmm. yeah i think there's a little bit more leeway in beer and Mm -hmm. cheese pairings than there are in wine and cheese pairings too not that wine doesn't go with a lot of things but with beer and cheese you got you know there's a lot more flexibility absolutely yeah yeah on uh last oh my god what day of the week it's monday saturday night uh i went to a a cheese cider and chocolate pairing uh up at uh rocket chocolate and it was just like a wide range of just everything it was really great. Nice. So delicious. it's good to know cheese pairings. So if if we can go on to the next thing, mm-hmm. um, we can go yeah. on to the next thing. 
we're going to try those gluten-free crackers I was talking about from the Farabella company with... Um, so Ursini is the olive oil producer we work with, and they make all these other wonderful products. So this is a mushroom pesto that has some black truffle in it as well. So I thought that would be appropriate considering it's fall and this is truffle season. So, you know, everyone's favorite chef is now uh, really enjoying the, you know, the truffle harvest. I'm a, I'm a huge truffle fan. More um, so than Mary. Right? I'm too, too I like truffles, just different than you. I like lots of truffle, actually. Uh, the, the cracker itself looks like a, like a Ritz cracker it style. Yeah, Ritz it does. cracker. Yeah, so we were trying to find something. I'm trying um, not to chew into the microphone, sorry. <laughs> we were trying to find a cracker, you know, that they that Farabella made that would be good for cheese. Um, this, you know, this isn't very salty. It's it's got and it's it's nice and uh, it's nice and crisp, so it can hold up to pretty much any kind of cheese. So, like as my dad says, with their gluten-free products are so great. It's like with the pasta, it's like we have this pasta that's really great that happens to be gluten-free and now we're going to have this cracker that happens to be that's really yeah free. this is a great solid gluten-free cracker like most of them a lot of them will fall apart yep. i wouldn't even guess easily, this was yeah. gluten-free this tastes right. like i mean it's definitely like yeah. solid for cheese holding or tapenade yep. exactly yep so have you been to italy when they during truffle season or gone yeah actually that was one of the things a few years ago so abruzzo is this wonderful um I don't know. It's like a just a pantry of amazing, amazing things come from there. So we all know that you know truffles come from northern Italy, but they're also uh, growing in Abruzzo too. So uh, a couple years ago, I met a family and you know who hunted truffles, and I spent a couple mornings and evenings um, driving out to where they were, which is about an hour away from where our family is. And because uh, I guess it's like 6 a.m. and 6, it's like sun up, sun down kind of thing. And going out with their dogs and just finding truffles. And they use dogs mm-hmm. to hunt the truffles. Not, not some pigs. people use pigs, right? That's right. And so um, the gentleman said, he's like, you know, I tried to use pigs or, you know, other family members have, but you can't tell a pig to stop eating something. So, oh, yeah. Um, so a lot of the truffles would be, you know, kind oh, of yeah. started on, I guess yes. you'd say. <laughs> but the, the dogs, like, the dogs get a treat, you know, when they, when they you know, they stop. So um, it's pretty amazing. They just, they, they kind of just make contact with it and then, and then stop. So you don't get, you know, teeth marks. <laughs> you don't get no. some nibbling. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so. how, how many states is Marcelli from Raji? Uh, Mm, right that's a question. Like, I'd have to or think. Or are you just simply but, local? But so uh, we're yeah, we're based in the New York area. Um, that's and uh, but we ship all over the country. Okay. Um, and one thing when we're working really hard on uh, is growing our e-commerce business because in this you know day and age, we're all shopping online. So uh, we have some wonderful retailers and cheese shops that we work with uh, around the country. Um, there's you know there's going to be I guess there's yeah five Italy's now. Uh, Italy LA mm-hmm. opens. Um, or no, actually, would that make it six? Uh, we're opening, uh, you know, uh, this end of this week. So they carry our cheeses, but, um, yeah, it's been great to, you know, grow that business. And so we're getting orders, getting phone calls from people all over the country that are ordering olive wood, cheese, honey, pasta, um, you know, from us, cause we're the only ones that carry the products that we have. Yeah. I mean, they're pretty elegant and delicious. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's go to the next one. <laughs> cool. So we'll use this as like a nice palate cleanser. Oh my this, goodness. This is uh, an aged sheep, uh, sorry, aged cow's milk ricotta called uh, ricotta pizzata rosa. It's got some chives on it. Oh, okay, and I thought it was blue cheese for a second. <laughs> so tell us about aged ricotta, because yeah, because generally, uh, ricotta I've had is very young. Sure. And like, well, yeah, cream, ricotta basically. is one of those things. It's nice. Obviously, you can you know take a good milk and use some 
you know, acid or something to help you coagulate. You can make it, in, you know, in your kitchen at home. Um, and a lot of restaurants will make their own ricotta. But the real traditional way is uh, recooking the whey of what's left over. Um, this ricotta means recooked. So when you make cheese, you have exactly. whey left over exactly. when you separate the curds from the whey. Right. So, okay. Right. So, like, this producer makes a cacciacavallo, which is that kind of sort of pear-shaped cheese that's that's hung and aged. Mm-hmm. It's a stretch curd cheese, same family as, like, mozzarella, the pasta filata family. Um, so this is their uh, aged uh, Kalsmuk ricotta with some with some chives. We like it because it's nice and earthy and. Oh my God, this is this is incredible. Yeah, um, and it's not very salty. Um, you know, all the cheeses that we have, like, they're only salted as much as they need to be. You know, for for aging and really not so much for flavor. So uh, everything is like really clean. And uh, yeah, we have a nice clean uh, Brooklyn lager to uh, wash it down because um, that that cheese always reminds me of like. You know, uh, cream cheese and chives, and it does, yeah. Mm-hmm. The Brooklyn Lager is nice and malty, so it's kind of like bready. How common mm. is aged ricotta? Um, yeah, I mean it's pretty common. You, you know, we're all again used to like the fresh, fluffy mm-hmm. um, ricotta that's used in a lot of food, but. And cow's milk. So what? What kind of? Do you know what kind of cows? These are from a not not your yeah, family's farm, right? No, right. It's uh, Pizzata Rosa means red cow. <clears throat> they are uh, like their prize red cow in Italy, used I think uh, in a lot of. Parmigiano uh, uh, production up north, um, but yeah, they're they're pretty amazing, uh, beautiful, beautiful animals. Awesome. Okay, so when when Andy talks about the farm, so we're friends on Facebook, mm-hmm. and you post the thing I always think of is the sheep dogs and puppies, and you have farm cats too. Yep. So they're they're working sheep dogs, right? Absolutely. Oh. Yeah, they're uh, they're extremely intelligent. Um, they are. Yeah, the breed's called uh, Pastoria brasesi. And they're um, white. They're white, yep. mostly. Yep, and they have thick fur that kind of mimics wool, so they actually they blend in with the sheep very well. Oh. They're super cute as puppies. Yeah, and so if, basically you. if they're born on the farm, they stay on the farm, they kind of you know protect the, the milking sheep that are there. Because um, I think, you know, by now, most of them have probably returned from the mountain, but from, I'd say, April till about now, they're in this uh, national park. A thousand sheep, and then they keep about 300 on the farm for milking, and they ro- rotate them through the uh, transhumans, you know, the kind of herding and, and uh, moving the animals by foot. Um, so the sheep dogs that are born out there stay there. So it's kind of they're you know they're pretty amazing and really smart animals, awesome. and they're very cute. Yes. <laughs> wait, what? Wait, you have the sheep dogs are born in this. Uh, in a national park where there's more sheep and the sheep switch out? Yeah, so um, in the summertime, the pa- the summer pasture for our family's sheep are in a national park. Um, and so, yeah, the sheep that are out there are uh, are the ones who are just eating the 100 different wild herbs and, oh, you know, flowers. And then they kind of take 300 and, you know, rotate them with the ones that have been on the farm and been and have been milking. So, Oh, that's very, very cool. interesting. Yeah. So it's not always the same sheep every year. No. Different sheep. Yep. Cool. So, you know, and there's there's a restaurant there, so there's, you know, they're consuming, you know, the animals as well. Um, and, you know, they have it, so they have a butcher, and people can, you know, order and buy, uh, you know, lambs from them and sheep from them, too. And so Chris and I were just at the New York State Sheep and Wool Festival, and lambs are actually bigger than I thought. Like, when you buy lamb chops, it comes from, like, a 100-plus-pound pound animal, mm. right? I yeah. Think. Anyway, we we watched a sheep being sheared 
Yeah. Oh, I did. Chris didn't get to She's go lying. this year. I I'm wanted, sorry. I was there vicariously. Yes, yeah. you went to with me last year anyway. <laughs> oh, that I explains the, the alpaca pictures. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they, uh, so these sheep get uh, sheared twice a year. There's a group of Maori um, awesome guys from New Zealand that, that travel around the world. and they're, Shearing uh, sheep? Dude, okay. Whoa. that's amazing. Yeah. But it makes a lot of sense after what I learned yeah. at the Sheep and Wolf They can fast. do it in like, it's like a minute and 40 seconds. Yeah, that's incredible. Sheep. The guy yeah. that I was watching, that we watched, I think he does like three minutes. Mm-hmm. But basically you can't, I guess they do have these like million dollar, three million dollar, very, very expensive robot sheep shearers. But they can't even do the full body. They can do everything, but somebody still mm-hmm. has to hand shear the stomach. Mm-hmm. But sheep shearing is a true art. Oh yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, and it's great. So they, you know, they take those, you know, the wool and it's clean and, you know, they have a company that they work with that makes like kind of hiking socks and blankets and sweaters and all sorts of fun stuff. So that's awesome. You know, so it's, yeah, the warmest, the warmest blankets you've ever, mm-hmm. you've ever had. That's so nice, dude. Yeah. All right. What's the next cheese? All right. Now I'm just like, yeah. huh, thinking about knitting. And oh yeah. My mom got me this scarf from the Scottish Highlands. It's actually wool. So next we're going to try a really uh, interesting cheese. It's It's, on Ganesh. It's called uh, Pecorino Gregoriano. It's actually named after uh, Gregorio, uh, who is the uh, owner of his farm in the village of Scano. It's about 45 minutes or so away from our family's village. And he's also got about the same amount of sheep, same breed of sheep, but it's a higher elevation. It's a few thousand feet uh, higher, actually. Uh, So it's this one here. Uh, So it's a soft Pecorino, uh, which is very unique. Uh, because obviously pecorinos are typically a little bit firmer. Um, this is made by not pressing out, you know, all the excess moisture when it's made. So it starts Squishy. out being like this, you know, it fill, they fill a basket with the curd, basically. Um, and then also we have this wonderful sunflower honey, which goes very nicely with it as well. This cheese is very strong. Sunflower honey. The sunflower oh, yeah. honey is from where? It's also from Abruzzo. Also from Abruzzo. Yeah, so um, it's yeah, beautiful, uh, like orangey gold oh, color. Um, and the family oh, yeah. that we work with that, that uh, produces the honey, they just move their hives around to different parts of Abruzzo where different things are growing. So Luca, who's you know the father and the you know the main guy that works with the bees, he you know takes the hives to a field of, of sunflowers, and the bees do their job, and they have this beautiful honey. And then they collect that layer and mm-hmm. it becomes sunflower exactly. honey. Um, okay, so wait, this is a pecorino. Tell yep. me. Yeah, so it's it's unique because uh, you know they haven't pressed out all the extra moisture. They put the curds into the basket, cutting them into larger pieces as opposed to um, smaller for the more traditional, harder cheeses. And uh, yeah, they're just letting it kind of it just shrinks and collapses upon itself um, because so they're not necessarily like weight, you know weighing it down or anything okay. no it's just it's just kind of you know i guess gravity or its own weight so um as you know you obviously we're on radio you can't see but the final wheel is about an inch high where it started out being i don't know probably eight inches oh, wow. of, of uh of curd so it's uh it's really creamy um, yeah it's, and you said this is also sheep mm-hmm. the same kind as yep. your family has yep. cool this is really good it's pretty funky i would say mm-hmm. yep and with the cider, it's yeah. Pretty, what are you? Yeah. So this is uh, yeah, so what are we you know. So I was grabbing things I had at my house. Um, oh. So this is made by my friends at Citizen Cider. This is their Brose. Nice. Um, so it's a blueberry, blueberry cider, and that cheese, you know, it's it's good with you know fruit. So I thought that'd be a fun, fun, fun accompaniment. It is. Uh, yeah, it's a good pair. Pretty damn delicious. Cool. 
Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Funky, slightly creamy cheese and yeah. blueberry and cider. Brose. Yeah. Brose. This is fun. I don't. Th- I don't know if I've had this cider before. Yeah. We <clears throat> we just ended cider week here exactly. in New York That's City. I also thought it'd be yeah. appropriate. Yeah. Chris and I did not get to go anything. Sounds like Rachel did. I did. I went to yeah. Uh, Heritage had a lovely event called uh, the Old Adventures of Newtown Pippin, uh, and we basically try different ciders and apples of the same of Newtown Pippin apples from uh, various farms in New York, in California, a couple in Virginia, one in New Zealand, and then a few on the in like uh, the Pacific Northwest Oregon area. Um, and all of them were vastly different. It was really interesting. That would have been to cool to go to. Have a taste. Yeah, there's only so many breeds of apples that you can do that with, but not to go on about apples for too long. <laughs> cool. So you have time for... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Our final round. Cool. We insist, actually. What is the uh, final round? Oh, there's... That makes a good sound. Yeah. my brosé. So uh, this uh, this cheese is called Cacio Fiorello. Um, I also thought this would be appropriate to bring because this is a sheep's milk cheese that has goat yogurt added to it. Ooh. Uh, The cheesemaker is actually from Romania, and this is something that's more traditional to Romania than Italy. Um, and then this uh, cider, actually, it's a sizer. And before I, mm. you know, I got this when I worked at Italy, so it's uh, about probably two years old by now. Um, it's a, I guess, it's a combination of like honey wine and uh, and uh, you know apples, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like it's a mead cider hi- exactly, hybrid, apricot. Exactly. exactly. So it's got yeah. It's uh, I think the yeast comes from uh, contact with apricot skins. It's also it was dry hopped. Um, but again, you know, it's 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 uh it's been it's been aged. It's from the first batch of uh, I guess that product from uh, Millstone in uh, Maryland. This cheese looks and probably and feels was made. Like we were talking cake. before. It probably was made by Kyle, who's mm-hmm. now at Graft, yeah. who we had on the the um, show earlier this mm-hmm. year. Yep. So yeah, I thought also because this is like you know got a little bit more funkiness and kind of tartness to it, um, and so does that that cheese. You know. Oh yeah, this is. Okay, so this is sheep's milk. I love milk the texture of this. Yeah, with this goat's milk yogurt added. Right. So the goat's milk yogurt, it's made, so the goat's milk made into yogurt first, and then... Yep, added, yeah, yeah, added to the cheese when they're making it. So it's, okay. it's probably about 90% sheep's milk and about 10% goat yogurt. Like as the starter or as... I don't think I've ever had addition like to this. it. In addition. Mm. So this is, I would say, I'm trying to describe this. This is super unusual and really mm-hmm. delicious. So it's kind very, of like if you solidified... Uh, Yogurt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like creamy in as texture, but mm-hmm. it's actually quite dry and quite tart. Yep. But yeah, super fun. Yeah, it's got a very smooth texture, and actually, I find it has kind of a mild taste, mm-hmm. um, like a lighter cheese. It has the ping of, of it's got a of, ting. Of yeah. skier. It's definitely yeah, got a I would tang. agree. I would yeah. agree. It's like a, yeah, it's like a more solid skier. Pretty fun with this cider too. Yep. Yep. I imagine that's what it'd be if you just um, kind of. What do you call it? Filtered your yogurt to death like seven or eight times <laughs> until mm-hmm. it just became like solid. Yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah, this this I cheese, uh, cheese. Yeah, it's 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 nice. It's, I always think of it as like a breakfast cheese because of the yogurt component. Mm-hmm. So it's something you can just eat on its own or you know with some honey. That would be go great on toast with honey. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So what are some of your other um, kind of like? Let's just talk about general cheese, beer, and cider pairing mentality. Sure. Or um, some of your other favorite pairings. Okay. Of. Yeah. Um, what do you think? I mean, there's the classics like uh, like Stitchelton, you know, a nice blue cheese with a stout. Um, we've actually, uh, 
um, a couple years ago in a kind of a staff class at, at Italy. We had some fun pairing a, I think it was a three-year-aged um, Italian blue cheese uh, with uh, Dogfish Head 120-minute, you know, 18% triple IPA. So there's that's what's fun is like there's some things you can just kind of try and you find something that, you know, you didn't know would work. So that's kind of like intent, like strong meets strong. Exactly. That was like. So that one doesn't roll over the other, no. but they're not really clashing. Like those two things on their yeah. own kind of made your mouth like tingle and numb. Um, then, you know, there's the classics, obviously, like, you know, more hoppy beers with like nice, you know, cheddars and things like that. So, um, yeah. And then I don't know, cider, you know, I think, again, because cider has just like beer, you know, you got your sour beers, but cider, you know, has your funky and dryness. You can kind of match it, you know, to the same notes, you know, of a cheese. But also, I feel like, so this one that we're drinking, this Hoppercut Sizer, Sizer. it is a little funky. There's mm-hmm. a teeny bit of acetic in yep. there. Um, and it is a really nice contrast to the creaminess and tart. You know, it kind of matches with the tartness of this cheese, but it's also uh, a good, like, balance to the creaminess. Kind of like a palate cleanser between tastes. Exactly. Yeah. I'm I'm still kind of, I'm still, I'm, I'm, I've, been, I've been kind of silent ever since that Brooklyn Lager pairing because... I mean, that was a beer that I really got into like 17 years ago, kind of <laughs> when I was first starting to homebrew. And, uh, you know, I get... You know, going to start crying. I am, I am oh, maybe. No. <laughs> no, but, you know, we're talking about, uh, you know, we're, we're brewing now it's and we're, okay. we're like, the things are moving so fast. Things, all t- <laughs> things are moving so fast and you're always looking for the newest beer and other stuff and you forget about the golden classics that kind of, kind of made, uh, like, you fall in love with beer. And Brooklyn Lager is one of those for me. And that pairing with that with that age ricotta, it brought out the, that the beauty in that beer again for me. And I just man, I'm I'm in love all over again with the Brooklyn Lager. I gotta say, That's, I don't know how fresh that can is, uh, but it tasted damn fresh and it was beautiful. Yep. And the way it brought out that maltiness and just that clean, oh. beautiful, oh, it, it's just a beautiful, beautiful uh, beer. And thank you for the cheese and reminding me of, of, of who I was once. And uh, I'm going oh. back. Yep, absolutely. No, and that's you know that's, that's been fun. Because obviously our our products are from. You know, are from Italy, so you know sometimes we'll you know pair like I love Italian beer, but it's been really fun to you know take our kind of uniquely flavored cheeses and pair them with some, you know either locally made beers or you know like you said broken lager being a classic. Now yeah. it's you know now it's a, for this it's a tried and true classic. Yeah, uh, it's international now. Yep. Yeah. So we have to get to this olive oil. Oh yeah. <clears throat> yes. So it, yeah. It's made like a couple and of. Weeks olive ago. oil is one of those things like we. Well, okay, I'll be honest. Chris and I have not been cooking at all because this brewery has consumed our lives. We're just mostly a lot of take great out delivery now. Places. I don't yeah, I know. cook with this olive oil. This no, olive no. oil is special. But I mean, we're not even eating it. Like, if we're eating it at home, it's like on the counter or... It's, uh, like, it's like in the car on the way stuff. home. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, and olive oil is something that I would have... all. I always want to... I want to do a tasting class. And I know they're out there, especially there's a place in New York City that does them. I think there's a few places. But I feel actually insufficient when it comes to... Beautiful. like knowing anything about olive oil. So I'm very excited about this. And okay, Andy well, is also very excited. So tell us why you're excited, Andy. Well, I'm excited because this is the Olio Fresco from Ursini. Um, that was like, at this point, it was um, pressed and bottled oh. two weeks ago. So it's very, very, very grassy. It smells like fresh cut grass. Can you tell yeah. us what amazing. it means to be like virgin, extra virgin, and uh, regular um, olive oil? I think usually extra virgin means like, you know, the first pressing. Grass. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't um, I feel like any, you know, good olive oil should just be in its nature, you know, extroversion or first, first breast, but, um, it smell like wheatgrass, right? It, yeah. it smells like yeah. grass clothes, so, clippings, yeah, so which my, is a great thing. So, yeah. So, uh, a month ago, my sister and I were, you know, with our, our friend Camillo, who's the export manager for Rossini, cause, 
um, you know, we, we started working with them about three years ago and we brought in some oleo fresco, not really understanding, you know, we were surprised at the feedback. We didn't understand that it was kind of like such a big deal. So it's something that we look to look forward to every year now. And, um, you know, we were very successful with it last year and, and this year so far, uh, selling it on our own our own site and also getting it in the hands of chefs as fast as possible um yeah so uh we were there uh with him like by the seaside on the adriatic checking out the olives uh, and he's you know he said well these these need some some rain in about two more weeks and that's exactly what it took and then they were ready so it's a blend of three olives uh the gentile di chietti which is kind of the local olive of that part of abruzzo um and then uh, cuco olives and lincino, which is a, a black olive. So, yeah, it's it's a you know they're all mixed together. The farmers just kind of bring them all to the mill, and they start um, you know milling the olives. And it's not filtered, so that's the other reason why this oil is special. So this, this is amazing. Pivot. I've never had anything like this. Yeah. Is kind of like a life changing. This is, this olive is oil. like whoa. Well, so that has like a taste to it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but what's interesting is that you know it's it's kind of like. Where you know brewers will now want to do like wet hop, you know, I you know IPAs or whatever mm-hmm. with hops that have been only you know uh, picked and, and processed like you know days before. It's kind of the same thing. So um, you know it's harvest season. So you know grapes, olives, hops, everything's kind of you know ready Fresh. now. Mm-hmm. So it's something that we get to look forward to every year and celebrate. And yeah, we've been shipping bottles now for you know uh, this is the third year, like all over the country. Some people are buying you know. 10, 12 bottles, you know, for themselves, for gifts. Uh, And it's just, you know, it's really, it's it's a simple, uh, wonderful olive oil that uh, just has a lot of, a lot of flavor. Yeah. And, you know, so now we're, you know, I'm just putting on everything, uh, you know, soup, uh, salad, uh, pasta, you know, just a little bit. Just eating it with fresh bread. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's one of the classic (laughs) things is, yeah, you can just do fresh bread, you know, and this, uh, Mm -hmm. this olive oil with a good bread. Yeah. And, uh, I used to be a singer and before like a concert, you would drink like a spoonful of olive oil and everyone was always kind of squeamish about it. But like for this, you would not, you would Mm -hmm. not be squeamish. Just drink it. So you said you do online sales. Mm -hmm. And so where, what's the online? So our our website is, uh, Marcelli Formaggi. How do you spell that? M-A-R-C-E-L-L-I-F-O-R-M-A-G-G-I. Uh, Formaggi is the Italian word for cheese. And that's why we named our company, you know, Marcelli Formaggi, because the Marcellis in Italy were, you know, the the ones we started to work with and and their cheese. But, uh, yeah, you'll find everything that we carry on that website. Fantastic. Dot com. Dot com. Dot com. All right. Is there anywhere else on social media we can find you? Uh, Yeah, we're on Instagram, you know, Marcelli Formaggi, um, as well as Facebook. But I'd say we're probably, you know, most active on Instagram. Cool. And you guys do some events, I know, around New York City. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we're yeah we always like to be part of uh, beer events. It's been really fun to have you know you to Fifth Hammer. stay tuned. Yeah, yeah. stay tuned yes. for a beer pairing at Fifth Hammer. Let's yeah, book that within the next yeah. month. Absolutely. Well, and that's and that's what's been really fun is like I, you know I know the New York City beer community very well, and it's been really fun to work with uh, you know you know work with everyone with with our cheeses. Yeah, awesome. Well, hopefully you have been inspired to uh, out there listening to explore cheese more, and particularly check out Marcelli Formaggi. Um, this cheese is delicious. I tasted it, although I feel like whenever I see you at a festival, I'm always like running around like yeah. a chicken with a head I was cut trying off, to get you to try something. Yes, but this is, <laughs> but this is, so this is a much, anyway, this is great. And that olive oil is amazing. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Marcellifumaggi.com. Thanks for listening to Fermentabout. Thank you, Andy. 
for Thanks joining for us. Me. We're so, so happy to have you here. And uh, I can't wait to do a pairing with you at Fifth Hammer. Stay tuned for next week's episode next week on Fumet About Fumet It. Fumet About <laughs> It. HeritageRadioNetwork.org. <laughs> for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.